0: Hello and welcome to the Anchor Sunday Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with our Sunday sermons here in this podcast. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message
1: one of the things I got, like I highlighted last week you got to keep watching Russia what's happening here and this is interesting that Israel is now wanting to help Ukraine why the Biden administration is not doing anything but Israel's willing to help but here's the interesting thing that's another hook in the jaw to Gog of Magog because Russia is going to get pretty ticked off at Israel if they try to help the Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian people out and so what's developing over there you got Russia taking Ukraine, but then Israel getting in the middle of that. And then, um, like this last, this last week, I met with the Israeli consulate down in Southern California, and uh, we're one of the churches they have picked out uh, in Southern California that the consulate wants to talk to. And I'll explain that later on in the sermon. But what they were dis- briefing us on was saying that, look, we're already fighting Iran now. Your media is not going to say it, but we're fighting Iran now and we're fighting them through Hezbollah because Iran's funding Hezbollah, um, and that's who Israel is fighting, and you know things are getting pretty heated up over there. So you got Iran, then you have Russia, and then you have Turkey messing around. So you got the players of Gog and Magog already forming this alliance and coming against Israel. And again, they're concerned, obviously, but Israel is going to fight them, whether we help them or not. So um, they're, they're concerned. The, the Israeli consulate is, is pretty concerned about America, let's put it that way, as they should be. With that kind of administration, I would be, be kind of unsettled if I'm Israel and I'm the only country in the, in the Middle East that, that uh, is favorable to the United States, uh, and then we're not going to back them. They're very uncomfortable right now. I'll get to this later on because they're, they're, they're not only uncomfortable with what they're seeing politically in America, they're very uncomfortable with the church very uncomfortable, and I'll get more into that. But anyway, what we're going to look at today is Daniel chapter 3. The, uh, what Daniel does is he goes, uh, he'll, he'll, you'll have major prophecy like we studied last week, and then you'll go into a historical event, and then you go back into prophecy, and then you go through another historical event. Kind of, it kind of just goes back and forth. But each historical event is what we call a foreshadowing or a typology. That's the theological term, which means that this event points to a bigger event in the future that will have happen to Israel. So this is a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into the fiery furnace. I'm going to have to break this up into two parts because it's extremely long and it gets detailed, and I don't want to just go through this as if it's like a you know a devotion. You got to see the details in this to understand if that happened back then, it's going to happen in the future, and I want to tie it to the future as we go through it. So there's a twofold purpose here: understand the historical context, but understand it applies to the future as well, and to us as well. So um, there's a lot; it's, it's heavily full of prophecy in it in the historical account. Okay, so hang with me as I'll try to explain as best I can. So we're going to be Daniel chapter three. And what you're going to study is they're in the fiery furnace, so to speak. They will be put in eventually. But the first part of this is I want you to see the tactics that Nebuchadnezzar will use to force compliance on everybody worshiping a statue that he created that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will not bow to. Now, what you're going to see in the tactics is what they're doing today. There's nothing new under the sun, according to Solomon. The devil uses the same tactics. He just repackages them. And so the tactics Nebuchadnezzar's using is tactics that are being used on you today to get you to comply. I want to point those out so we can apply to our lives and not be deceived when we see these tactics. Very important. So let's start in. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and it's width 60 cubits. Six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, what I'm trying to point out is this: this is an image of Nebuchadnezzar. It's an image related to him that he's going to force everyone to bow down to. But I want you to start seeing that there's clues in there about foreshadowing of events. Notice I've uh, I've labeled the first six, then I labeled the second six, and later on in the text there'll be a third six. What does that tell you? six 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 so just like you'll see like David and Goliath there are three sixes in the story of David and Goliath there are three sixes in this story and all of them point to the future like the David and Goliath episode that is a typology of the antichrist and Christ himself that's what that image uh, the typology is this, is, this, this image that Nebuchadnezzar is setting up will be a uh, uh, foreshadowing of the image in the future that the Antichrist will set up, okay? So, and King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather the, the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to, dedica- to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, let's... Mis- let, let's Let's translate this into modern language. So you still have administrators. You have school administrators. You have school boards. You have the governors of the states. You have all the politicians. You have the media. You have education. You, you get what I'm going? He's got, Nebuchadnezzar got the whole culture involved. Everyone was on the Narrative. Just like all these countries are on the same narrative, pushing the same stupid stuff. That's what you see here, and that's where this world is going. Everyone's on the same ticket. But here's the thing about this, this image. This image, this statue that Nebuchadnezzar sets up is a picture of the image of what Antichrist will set up. So here's what Revelation 13 says. And he had power. This is the false prophet, and I believe... (laughs) <laughs> the Pope is probably the leading candidate for the false prophet. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's 100%, but there's no better guy for the false prophet job than him. He's, he's in the running, man. There's no, there's no second second behind him. If the Pope is the false prophet, so be it, he might die, and someone else will take his place, but you can't get, you can't get anything closer than what the Pope is. Anyway, the false prophet, it says that he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. Now, the life in the Greek here is not zoe, and, and zoe means biological life. And so John is saying, hey, look, I saw in the future, think about this, it's 95 AD. He says, I saw in the future that they set up an idol, but this idol, it appears to have life, but it's not human life, but it, it has life. So the Greek word that John uses, is pneuma, we use that for the Holy Spirit, he's the spirit, we use it for our, our spirit, Numa. But in this context, what it's saying is this, by definition, that in this idol, it is animated by some type of force or power. But it's not human life. But it has a force in it. Now, what I think John is seeing is modern technology of artificial intelligence, and the power would be electricity or whatever it's running on, a battery power or whatever. He says, look, it looks real, but it's not. And that's all, the only thing I can explain. But look what else it is, is, it's capable of doing. That the image of the beast should, be bo- that, uh, should both speak, right? This is an idol that can speak, right? And cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. The second thing it can do, it can kill you. Oh, wait a second. So this idolatry idolatry of Antichrist will be able to speak and kill you, and it looks real. I think the best guess we can possibly imagine, this is some type of AI form. And what will be set up is if you don't worship the image of the beast, he'll kill you. Now, how does it kill you? I don't know. At that time, we won't be here for that, but perhaps a chip is in them, and they just turn an off switch on them. Okay, you don't worship it, turn you off, you're dead. I don't know. But it has the ability to kill people. Well, that's where we're at, guys. This is how close we are to the end is we know the technology that John saw and he couldn't explain. He did it as best as he could and now we, we connect dots and we're like, we're here. We're here. So again, this points forward what we're seeing with Nebuchadnezzar. So what's the tactic that he used? The first tactic Nebuchadnezzar did to get compliance was enmesh people's belief with another belief system, we call this, in theological terms, syncretism, that you blend your Christianity with the world's values, okay? You have this muddy mixture. So what Babylon was doing is saying, look, you can worship any of the gods you want, because they had a plethora of gods. I mean, it was all kinds, but Nebuchadnezzar said, said, you can worship your gods, but you're going to worship me first. I'm going to be first, and you're going to worship me, and you and and you will bow down to my principles and precepts and stuff. And your religion can last as long as it lines up with my narrative. And you're cool. That's the same thing going on today. You can practice your little Christianity, they say, in your little private home, but you better not buck the system with your Christianity. You better not buck the wokeism and in, in, in the world, because then you're a bad person. You can only practice your Christianity if it falls under the supranational international religion that's forming right now. See, when you study cults and you study the occult, what you see is that stuff starts popping up in regions and different areas of the world in different pockets, and that's how cults form. They stay in a regional area, then they spread from there. What's happening right now is not a regional thing. It's actually a global thing, okay? The tactic is being used to synchronize all the religions under one belief system and allow them to practice their own. And the biggest global thing is wokeism, okay? Wokeism is code for Marxism on a political level. But what does it mean theologically? Marxism teaches liberation theology, which hit the Catholics in in Central America in the 70s and 60s and stuff like that. And now you have right now in the Vatican a liberation theology pope who's nothing but a full-blown Marxist and globalist. And see, with, with wokeism that's, that's hitting all of society, all of businesses, it encompasses so much more. It's not just simply about race, but it's about transgenderism. It's about uh, LGBT. It's about all the issues that the Bible is against. And this is going global. It's not regional. And it's hitting all the churches globally. It's not just here in America. And that's the problems we're having. It's a supranational religion and We call it in the Bible, the whore of Babylon. She's forming. And that's the code word for her, wokeism. Now, I want to point this out of what the syncretism is doing right now. So you can have some some teeth to it. In their view, Jesus should be viewed as a liberator of the poor and the oppressed, not as a savior from hell right? That's that's how they view Jesus. That's how the Pope views, views Jesus. That's how uh, Christians, so, you know, so-called Christians in the Palestinian Authority, uh, they say they're Christians, but a lot of them are liberation theology Christians or anywhere else. Most of the Catholic Church has been taken over by liberation theology, and liberation theology is taking over the Protestant churches now. How about this? All are saved due to collective salvation, now, if you work on uh, you know, common cause issues, then you'll get salvation as a collective whole. Salvation in their mind is not individual, it's collective. How about this one? That if you are not seeking justice and changing social structures for the oppressed and poor, then you're not spiritual. See, to them, obedience to Christ is nothing. If you're working on burning down the society because it's systemically racist, that's the only thing that counts for them and that makes you spiritual. How about this believes everything about race that it that everything is about race and the whole social structure is racist only white people are racist and we're born this way that's part of this right so we got to burn down the whole thing you've got to they're, they're, liberation theology teaches you you got to burn the whole system down that's why you have Christians coming against our constitution that's why you have Christians coming against our freedoms pretending to hide behind Romans thirteen and lastly. They push trusting the government 100%. Were you told when you were young, hey, don't trust the government, because I was? When did we go from, hey, I don't trust the government, to now, oh, believe everything they say? Where did that happen? What happened? Why do people think like that? Was it the schools doing that to them? Why are so so many people compliant? Because tactics are being used on them to get 100% of the people, uh, you know, Seeing the government as their God, basically. We'll talk about that. But it's syncretism. Look at these, these apostates. I want you to think about this. This is the new trend in Christianity. So, Francis calling Tim Keller apostates. But they, they make this statement. They come out with a statement. And it says, his, uh, his compassion, talking about the Lord's compassion, both shows us the way of our salvation and they use the term revelation. It's not revelation from the Bible, it's revelation that you have recognized that the system is systemically racist and you need to destroy it. That's what they're talking about. And inspires us to follow after Him. God does not require Jesus' death in order to forgive humanity's sin. Excuse me? What? You see the denial of the atonement. Do you see the denial that Christ is the only way? That's what Christians are starting to do now. That salvation, you don't need Jesus. Salvation is found in burning down the the systemic racism in the country. That's Marxism. That's what we're talking about. This is syncretism. Look at this next tactic, okay? So, the satraps, the administrators, and the governors, and the councils, and the treasurers, and the judges, and the magistrates, and all the officials of the province gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Okay, so look, look who's involved. Every facet of society. Okay? Everybody's doing this, everybody's going along, everybody's locking down. Everybody's taking the jab. everybody's wearing a mask. you get what where it's going it's a whole structure and the, the, and through that you can get compliance because the social pressure if it's put on a person long enough who doesn't know facts and evidence, they will eventually buckle under the pressure it's this, it's just this thing that happens, this osmosis of accepting these values over time. People don't start out like this, but year after year, month after month, week after week, as they're continuing to be exposed, it socially conditions them to accept a new value. So look at this stat. Let me get to the stat. 54% of, of U.S. Christians say homosexuality should be accepted by uh, accepted with millennial Christians leading the overall majority. Does that shock you? Doesn't me, but we've reached a point in, in, in our history of Christianity in America where the majority of Christians say that homosexual, homosexuality is okay. You see the problem? And the thing about it who's leading the charge? Millennials. Now, if you're a millennial, then you're the exception to the rule. But the most ungodly generation we've ever had in American history is the millennials. And they're tearing the fabric of our society down by their ungodly views. They claim to be Christian, but they, they, they say, no, it's acceptable. Look, there are eight Passages all through the Bible that clearly say that homosexuality and lesbianism is an abomination. End of story. You can't cut it any other way. Doesn't mean we don't want to help those people get out of that lifestyle. We want Jesus to rescue them. We want uh, them to see uh, see His forgiveness and the liberation from that lifestyle. But the majority of Christians out there are confirming them in their lifestyle, are saying you're okay. Look, you know the average homosexual lives to about age 40? Do you know that? That's the stats. Why is that? Because it's a disease-ridden lifestyle. And 40 is the age, if, age that they die, typically, if they don't have AIDS. Lesbians are the same way. The drugs, the alcohol, all that's involved in that lifestyle will kill you and have make you live or die an early death. But they don't want to talk about that. So Christians want to affirm people in a death lifestyle. Whereas you and I are saying, look, no, Jesus can save you. You can come out, you can live the abundant life. You can understand who your real identity is. But we have people called Christians working against us. That's scary. And it's the younger generation. That's who the problem is. Oh, by the way, too... It's affected older generations, my generation, Gen X, and even the baby boomers. Think about this, baby boomers. Your generation has moved on this issue by one-third. It's not as much as the millennials, but even the baby boomers, in like within 10 years, a third of the baby boomers who claim to be Christians say it's okay. How did that happen? Social conditioning. That's how it happened. Pressure from society. Look at this. How about the shot? How about the the uh, experimental genetic shot? Most Americans who go to religious services say they would trust their clergy's advice on COVID nineteen vaccines. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. The most dangerous person in your life is the guy with a name pastor in front of him, and I mean me too. Don't trust me. I could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Don't trust what I say. Get your facts and evidence study your Bible. If I say something wrong, kick me out. I could be a hireling. You don't know. You never put your trust fully in me. But this is the problem in America. They fully believe everything their pastor tells them. And look what the stats say. 5% of clergy discouraged the jab. That's me. 54% of clergy has said nothing. 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 They didn't let anybody know what the biblical view on this vaccine, or I just, sorry, let me take that out. It doesn't mean vaccine, experimental jab. Why wouldn't the pastor say anything? Fear man. And 39% of the clergy encouraged the vaccine or the jab. Now that's even here in Kern County. We had pastors get up and y'all need to be vaccinated. I've told you that. That's, how, that's even here. But look at the difference, man. Look at the stats. Silence and encouragement. Just something that we already know the evidence about. You can read it for yourself. It's all coming out. For goodness sakes, this is called social conditioning. You put pressure on the people and people just start giving in. Okay, I'll go get it. Okay, I'll wear the mat. Okay, Uh, just, you know, they start caving in. Look at this. As an example of social conditioning, Israel has almost vaccinated the majority of their population, well, almost 100% of their population, I should say. It's up there, man. It's, it's the biggest test case we've ever seen. But look what's happening. 70 to 80% of most severe cases vaccinated at least three times. Those who are having the worst cases have been vaccinated three times. And Israel's working on the fourth one now. Hey, Israel, I love you, but wake up. You're going to kill your population. I mean, the stats don't lie, but why? Why is Israel doing this? We support Israel because of social conditioning. That's why. Let's go back to the text. Watch another tactic. "Then Then a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, notice the universal things. Nations, peoples, languages? Yeah, because it points forward to a globalism, a global regime. Yeah. That at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, in sympathy, uh, symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Let's talk about two things here then. First of all, This is the third six. Here's your your six instruments. So as you can see in the text, God is sending a message, six, six, six. The spirit of Antichrist is working in this, okay? And again, points to the future. Second thing, notice how they're combining music with the worship of an idol. Don't miss that. That is extremely important to understand. He's using music to get conformity. Oh, well, then now let's explain that a little bit. Satan, who is the operator behind all of this, right? Do you recall what Satan was before he got cast out? He was in charge of the worship. He was the head choir guy. Does he know a thing or two about music? Yeah, he does. Does he know that, that music, if played loud enough and long enough and have crazy lyrics involved, can actually stop a person from thinking straight? They lose their cognitive ability. They lose all objectivity and they go straight to emotion. Does he know that? Yes, he does. And he uses music to mess with people's heads. Like all the shooters, all the shooters, you, you, they watch the music. They're either the, these crazy death rappers or, or heavy metal. You ever listened to heavy metal? Not that you do that for enjoyment, but you ever heard the sound of it? Right? I'm not saying you're gonna you, you bang your head and go into a mosh pit, um, but have you ever he- heard it? not for listening and enjoyment, but you ever heard the, the metal and and and, and the, the lyrics and stuff? It sounds like demons singing. It really does. I mean it's screaming. I I can't even make out the words and it's it's and then you go to the other side of the rap and it's so bad. Every other word is some illicit thing. I'm shocked that the Super Bowl is having a bunch of rappers who talk about killing people and and raping women at the Super Bowl. You know what's funny is they're woke, but they're having rappers who are not woke. Does that make sense? It's so hypocritical, right? So stupid. You're going to have Eminem and you're going to have Dr. Dre. And if you ever heard any of those songs, oh my Lanta. Wow. Off the chart, crazy, man. And you're going to have them as the number one sh- show, basically, production in the entire year, the Super Bowl. Because Satan works through music. Now, let me bring something to your attention about churches and how music has been manipulated. When the church growth gurus came out, what they did, and the formula, is they, they flipped the, the, the teaching time with the worship time. As you can see here, it's clear in Rock Harbor, the majority of your time will be on the teaching, not on the music, that's intentional. What they do is they flip it, and they spend 45 minutes to sometimes 50 minutes to even an hour on music alone. Then the pastor gets up there and preaches for like 20, 25 minutes. Do you know what that causes? I've researched this. Do you know what happens, why they do this? It's because if you listen long enough, and and notice how loud they play their music, okay? When you play it that loud and you play it that long, the person starts dropping their cognitive abilities and their rational thinking and their objectivity. And by the time they're done after 50 minutes of worship, whatever that dude says in the pulpit, they will take it hook, line, and sinker and not think twice about trying to say, is he saying the right thing? They will fully just absorb everything. Ancient pagans did this through music. The Greeks did it through music. It's a pattern. And so the modern day church that spends all its time on music is deceiving people because that that guy in the pulpit is the most dangerous guy. He's gonna tell them anything and they will fully believe it because they've lost their cognitive ability after 45 minutes of music. It's intentional, guys. Satan works through that. Okay, so that's what happens here. So what I wanna point to is if you notice that... um, Everyone must fall down and worship the gold image. Well, this points directly to Revelation. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. Notice the universality of the, the command. To receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. That no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Now, the idea is... The Jews in the tribulation will use wisdom to figure out the Antichrist. Here's the wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Okay, already you saw it's 666, and it's pointing to this. Now, here's the interesting thing. This image that the Antichrist uh, sets up in the temple of God will be able to control your buying and selling, obviously. We already have the technology for that. But here's what I want you to see about the 666. This 666, most people think, well, that's a a demon worship or, you know, it's tied to Satan. Actually, 666 is actually a helpful thing for the Jews in the tribulation. Why? Because what John is saying is, look, when you're in the tribulation, use wisdom and calculate the number of the beast, and that will identify him. So here's how you do it. You will not be able to guess the Antichrist's name prior to the tribulation. You'll only be able to, to, to label him once you're in the tribulation. Now, we won't be here for that, okay? So don't worry about that. But this is why you can't figure out the name right now. Once you're in the tribulation, and they have spotted that this guy's made a covenant with Israel, if you want to have verification that he is the Antichrist, you put his name into Hebrew, Okay? Hebrew is an alphanumeric system. So is the Greek. But the Hebrew is just for the Jews. If you put anyone's name in Hebrew, it will add up to a number. Everybody's name, Jesus' name, adds up to a number. I think it's 749. And so everybody's name will add up to a certain amount. What they're saying is, you Jews who are in the tribulation, put his name in Hebrew, and then it will calculate to be 666. And then they'll have verification that he is the Antichrist based on the covenant and the identification of his name. So 666 is not that bad as you think. People say, you know, oh, I'm scared of that. No, no, no. It's actually a helpful thing to, to the Jews to identify him. Anyway, um, but this is what this is pointing to, okay? But the tactic, the tactic from the music isn't an emotional appeal, See how slick Satan is? I want you to do something that you would not normally do, but I'm going to attach emotion to it and not facts and evidence and objective truth. I'm going to attack it from emotion. And then I can get compliance through emotion. Is that happening today? Of course. Don't you guys want to save the planet with Greta Thunberg and save the poor polar bears? Don't you see? They're running out of ice. You guys have got to stop driving your SUVs all over the place. You need to ride a bike because we got to help these polar bears. They're drowning in there. Look at that poor cub and his mom are stranded out there on the ice. Don't you want to help? Give today to the, the world relief of Greta Thunberg or whatever it is. Your donation will save the planet. What's the deal with that picture? It's an emotional picture and it's contrived. There's no problem with the polar bears. These, these guys, these polar bear guys, they swim for like miles and miles. They're not trapped. They're not out of ice. But what's the picture tried to do? If, if you're ignorant, you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe my SUV is doing that. I've got to stop. Save the planet. That's the new crisis coming up. How about this one? Help save lives today. Get your experimental jab, your DNA, uh, you know, uh, gene therapy, and save your fellow man. Come on. You want to save grandma, don't you? How could you want to kill grandma? Are you a killer? Don't you care about anyone but yourself? Forget your rights. You need to submit your rights to the common good. Ah, that's Marxism. That's Marxism. Submit your rights for the common good. That's what Marxists say. But no one's picking up, oh, yeah, you're right, man. I just need to sacrifice for the common good. No, you have individual rights. As an American and as a biblicist, as a Christian, you have individual rights. It's not being selfish. But you see the emotional appeal? You see what they're doing to us? Look at this one. Have you seen this cartoon yet? This is what they'll use on your kids in school in high school and in the college and universities. And it's a total brainwashing effect, but it's all emotional. If you notice the the picture on the left, that's a picture of what our country is now. Equal opportunities, okay? Our country says we provide equal opportunities. That's what the Bible does, you have equal opportunities. Do you know why the number one reason when you have equal opportunities and yet some benefit less from those equal opportunities, do you know the number one reason why people don't succeed at an equal level? One reason immorality. Immorality is the number one cause that, even if you get the same opportunity, causes people not to succeed in life. That's it. See, they want to say, no, it's about race. No, it's not about race. It's about immorality. Let's talk about, if you're going to make it a race, why don't you talk about the immorality in sections of societies? They don't want to go there. That's the answer. So what they want to say is we need to move to equity. See the one in the middle? We need to move to equity. Everyone needs to have the same what? Outcome. Not only do they need equal opportunity, but everybody needs the same outcomes. And isn't it nice that you see the little boy? Now he's standing on two boxes and everybody can see the game. Isn't that wonderful? Wait a second, I have a, a question. How come they didn't pay money to go see the game? They're cheating. <laughs> They're looking over the thing. Well, buy a ticket if you want to go to the game. Quit trying to look through the peepholes. But look, but look, but notice, oh, isn't that great? It is emotional. You got that little boy and now he has two boxes. Where did they get the second box to to support the little boy? Something's missing in the picture. You see what happened? They had to take from that guy on the left to give the little boy that box. Oh, that's called redistributing the wealth. That's called wealth distribution. That's called we're gonna steal from you to make sure we give it to the people we want to give it to. Oh, that's classic Marxism. And then if you look at the right side, The idea is, look, man, we're just gonna tear down that wooden fence and and put a chain link fence so everybody can see the game for free. You don't have to pay tickets for these players or anything. You just go to, you can go to Super Bowl for free. We'll just break down all the barriers. And they say, that's liberation, that's justice. You know what that is? That is symbolic of tearing down the system and putting up a new system, the chain link fence. Now, here you are on a Sunday morning and I'm explaining this you think a 17-year-old could figure that one out? When they're shown this, they're going to say, "Yeah, that sounds about right, man. It's fair." Now everybody can see the game. They're not thinking through these other scenarios because it's a brainwashing technique. I need to be about equity. No, it's an emotional appeal because they want you to feel sorry for that little boy in the picture. It's emotion. It's not facts. Next tactic. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the, fire, the burning fiery furnace. Well, there you go. Thank you very much. If anyone doesn't do this, then you're gonna die. Okay, so here's the tactic. Pretty easy. Give penalties for non-compliance. Oh, you don't want to wear a mask? Sorry, you can't come in. Sorry. Oh, you know, my stepfather was dying two weeks ago, right? I told you the story. Uh, couldn't get in. The man is dying. Have you been vaccinated? No, I'm not about to be vaccinated. Sorry, you can't get, oh, have you had a, a test in 72 hours? No, I haven't. You can't come in. He's dying, you fools. You're not gonna let me in. Uh, policy, policy. So here's the thing. You have God on your side. Just pray to God, have him open the doors. And you know what happens? He opened the door. I got in. Because a nurse snuck us in. I had to be snuck into the hospital to see my dying stepfather. Is that crazy? Does that sound American? That's unbelievable, right? But that's the penalties for noncompliance. Brandon, you're not vaccinated. You can't be a part of society here. Oh, you, your work, you're gonna require vaccine vaccines pretty soon. You can't work here. You better comply. You see what they're doing? It's a tactic. They're trying to get compliance through... Uh, through uh, penalties. Now, look at this. I want you to see this. Now, University of Penn, the women on that swim team that have a transgender dude who's pretending to be a girl who gets dressed right in front of them in the locker room, by the way, they're suing in a class action lawsuit, and good for them, but they had to do it anonymously Because they were threatened by the University of Penn that they were told that if they went against this transgender guy, they would automatically be removed from the team, scholarship taken away, and they would never get another job offer again if they spoke against this dude. So they were in fear. So good for them, though they had to go through a lawyer to fight this and it had to be all of them or nothing. Because why? You won't have another job. You will lose your scholarship. You talk against this. You see the problem here? It's a threat for non-compliance. Look at this guy. Did you see this? This, this, this burns me up, okay? Not only was, was I burned up to watch the 49ers lose, I was burned up when I saw this even more. Here's Newsome, Mr. Mask Nazi, Farrell Newsom, saying that your kids who go to school have to wear masks. Yet he goes to an NFC championship game. He's not wearing one. Him and Magic Johnson have yupping it up. Hey, 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 Mayor Garcetti from LA was right there. Hey, 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 no mask. 80,000 people, no mask. You watch the Super Bowl. They're gonna have it in in California in LA with a Rams stadium. And they're gonna say, oh, we're gonna wear masks. But you look in that crowd, there won't be a one mask at all. It's a joke. This guy's a hypocrite. But yeah, look at the side. You see that kid right there? And there's like a, you see a gym? Okay, you know what happened? Hundreds of students in California protested the mandates and they used Newsom's example. They showed the administrators, you, you we're not gonna wear a mask. Your own governor doesn't wear one at games. He doesn't social distancing. And they stood up, God bless them. They fought it. And you know what happened to them? The schools got them in trouble. So yes, you can see the students are in like the gym and they're all spaced out, social distancing. Let me ask you this. They're social distancing. Look at Magic and uh, uh, Newsome. Are they social distancing six feet apart? No. Is the crowd social distancing? You're sitting next to each other, for goodness sake. You see the hypocrisy here? But God bless these kids. We've got to have more kids fight against the system. Like, And, and here's the deal. Then get me in trouble. Fine. Fire me. Kick me out of class. Kick me out of your stupid school. You've got to have that kind of guts to fight this. Look at this pastor, God bless him. He's a pastor, he's bi-vocational. He lost his job because he put out a tweet and he works at some college. I think it's in England, I believe. It, I believe, And he works at some college where they saw his tweet. And here's what he did. He warned people about going to these gay pride uh, parades. If you've ever seen what happens at a gay pride parade, it is Sodom and Gomorrah on full display okay? They're walking in the streets nude, all kinds of crazy. It's it's about as sick as it comes, okay? All this pastor did is, guys, don't go to these things. You'll expose your kids to some bad stuff, and yada, yada. Instantaneously fired for that comment. Instantaneously. So now a private company or a business can fire you over your social media now. Oh, oh, compliance, how about this? Doctor warns of medical totalitarianism. True. After license put under review following podcasts. It goes on a podcast, goes against the narrative. Boom, we're going to pull your license. That's why the doctors are not doing anything because they don't want to lose their license. I just talked to uh, one of our, our members in our congregation, Alfonso's sister, who has a quadriplegic son, and she told me he got sick, he got COVID, took him to the hospital, And the stinking doctors, three of them, refused to give him ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. Oh, I can't do that. I'm gonna lose my license. And she said they wouldn't even look her in the face. These doctors, cowards. You've got a kid that could possibly die. He's a quadriplegic and you're not gonna help him. She asked him, so you're telling me you're not gonna help him? And he just, I gotta gotta follow protocols, whatever they came up with. You know, just shame on them. Shame on these people. But why? they're following the narrative because they realize if non-compliance happens, they lose their license. That's where they're at. Continue on. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music, probably heavy metal, I don't know, and all the people, nations, and languages, notice that. Why is it mentioning it? It's just Babylon, but notice it keeps saying global stuff. People, nations, and language, again, pointing to the future, fell down and worshiped the gold image which the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They're all following in on this. Now, here's a tactic. Yeah, it's lemmings. But here's what I want you to see. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans or leftists, politicians, liberals, Babylonians, whatever you want to call them, new world order, globalists, came forward, and accused the Jews. Let that sink in. That is the oldest tactic in the book. It started with Pharaoh, when he blamed the Jews for what was happening in Egypt. Do you remember that? And so, well, we got to kill them. You know, start killing the babies. the the male babies. We're going to kill them. And they're getting too big. We're going to reduce the population, put them in slavery. Blame the Jews is a satanic tactic all the time. And the first thing you start seeing in Nebuchadnezzar's tactics, blame the Jews, or at least the Babylon's. It's the Jews. It's the Jews. It's the Jews. They spoke and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, "O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone, come on, who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyres, psaltery, in sympathy with all the kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. Uh huh. But they're not. These Jews are not. They're the problem. So that's the tactic you have to see scapegoat the Jews. Now, let me give you a real world example. As I mentioned, I met with the Israeli consulate on Thursday. Rock Harbor, you got to understand this, Rock Harbor has been picked out of about only a dozen churches in Southern California by the Israeli consulate. Why? Because we're the only ones with enough guts to tell the real story about what's going on in the Middle East about Israel. That's why. Because they're scared. Not only do they see politically that America's not backing them, what they're scared also is their biggest support is waning from the evangelicals. I mean, Really, think about this, guys. All of Southern California, there's 11 churches down there that they picked, and then ours. Out of all of Southern California? Wait a second, does that tell you something about the churches down there? Now, I'm not talking about you go to the individual pastor and he's, are you, are you pro-Israel because of the Bible? He probably would say yes, but here's the thing, what they're noticing... Even if he's pro-Israel, he won't speak out uh, about it. They won't put it on their platform. They won't film it. They won't talk about it. That's what their concern is. And they're asking us pastors, what is going on in your churches in America? Well, number one, it's replacement theology. The church is replacing Israel. But number two, you've got wokeism in this. Part of wokeism is anti-Semitism. That's another aspect of wokeism, which comes from the horror of Babylon. She hates Israel. Uh, Satan hates Israel. So part of the wokeism narrative is a goal against Israel. That's why. And we, hate, we, hate, we hated to tell them this. Again, they don't understand apostasy and different things like that. They're like, what happened? And, it's, and they said this to us. It's your younger generation that doesn't care about us. What happened in your churches? Well, the churches stopped teaching about Israel and these new pastors who are now woke don't even talk about it. And I'm telling you what, what's, What I'm ta- my takeaway from after meeting with them and their concerns is this. The sad news is it's not gonna get any better. Israel, along with other issues, will be a dividing line in Christianity. I'm serious, it's going there because of the anti-Semitism I see even in the churches. And, and, and so... It's not just the, the, the LGBT agenda, it's not critical, it's add in the issue of Israel. So here's what's gonna happen. Somehow, way, the Jews are gonna go back to Israel before the tribulation. They migrate back. Now they've already migrated out of Europe because Europe is so anti-Semitic, it's not even funny. But something will happen in America that's going to cause the Jews to wanna to go back to their homeland. And the only thing I can see is what happened in Europe Europe was, was anti-Semitism. And eventually this anti-Semitism is coming here through wokeism. That's a new thing. Look at what they put up with AOC. Look at what they put up with Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. I mean, those people need to be kicked out of Congress, but yet they put up with intolerance because that's part of the narrative. Blame the Jews. So look at 2021, most anti-Semitic year in a decade. Yeah, That's true. Israel, they call Israel an apartheid state. They're like South Africa. You know, they're just racist and occupiers. That's a false narrative, right? That's what they want us to correct when we're preaching. And they'll give you uh, propaganda pictures like this. Oh, look at all these Israeli soldiers coming against this poor Palestinian who's just sitting there with a flag. I mean, look how mean they treat him. And he's just one guy against the whole army. They don't tell you that guy has bombs on him. That's what they don't tell you. The guy wants to run into a pizza parlor and blow himself up. That's what they're not telling you. It's propaganda, right? And you see this, oh, the Jews control all the media. They're all Jewish. No, no, look. There's Jewish people that don't even follow the Torah. They don't follow the Bible. They're as secular as you can get. Some of the the, the, the people like Soros are just evil. It doesn't have nothing to do with the race. It's just Soros. Everyone's judged on their, their character and what they believe, well, if there's, there's, there's bad Jews and there's bad Gentiles. Why is that hard to understand? But see, they're painting them all, broad brush. Blame the Jews, blame the Jews. Here's a picture. You know, everyone's saying, well, what's the problem? It's the socialists, it's the Jesuits, it's the reptilians, it's the elites, it's the communists, it's the masons. No, no, and the big elephant, the, the, the joke in the, in the story is, oh, it's the Jews. That's propaganda, man. That's all over the place. This is current propaganda. Look at this, roughly one-third of teens in Canada U.S. and the U.S. think the Holocaust is exaggerated or fabricated. Canada and the United States, that's a problem. Israel survey, France now tied with Poland as Europe's most anti-Semitic country. Totally. Europeans are totally anti-Semitic and it's coming to America now. Let's continue on. I want you to see this last tactic. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now they're turning on them, okay? These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. So let's put it in modern day terms. These Christians have not submitted to wokeism. They're homophobic. They're racist. You get, you get the picture? That's what they're saying about you and I. We've got to do something about them. They're the problem. It's these unvaccinated people that are killing everybody. We've got to stop them now. Our hospitals are filled with va- un, unvaccinated people. That's a lie, right? They just keep saying stupid stuff like that. It's not even true. What's the tactic? Oh, divide people and have them turn on their fellow citizens. They turned on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They turned on them. That's what happened in the last two years. We have people turning on each other over the stupidest things. People were outside their home and and neighbors called uh, called the police and hey, we got these people outside in our neighborhood and they're just in front of their house letting their kids play. They're not social distancing. Are you insane? But see how pe- people turned on each other. And now you have mask Nazis and you have all kinds of vaccination Nazis. And now we have a two-tiered society of the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated. Then the other side is the racism. You have w- uh, whites who are bad and then everyone else, it can't be a racist. It's only whites that can be racist. It's a, it's a two-system society and you have oppressor versus the oppressed. Classic Marxism. That's what's happened, But it turns people on each other. That's what happened. That's what's happening in America. Um, The lockdowns turned everyone against each other. That's what happened. And then look at this. Articles saying neighbors calling out uh, other neighbors for not following social distance rules. Yeah, that's what happens. And look at this. So uh, COVID warning. New California bill introduced to allow schools to see who's vaccinated. Now, here's the thing. That's another division. They're gonna. The schools are trying to propose this bill, or the the politicians, I should say, that they want to see if the child has been vaccinated against COVID-19. Okay, I don't know about where HIPAA law comes from. I, I I don't. I guess this doesn't apply, but they want to know that. And then secondly, coming in the the, the summer, they're gonna propose a new bill, and what they want to do is make COVID-19 vaccination a requirement to attend school. At that point, you're going to have to find an alternative unless you want your kids vaccinated with COVID-19 with an experimental DNA shot. So what is it doing? It's saying, look, you either join this party or you get off the train. You see, that's turning people against each other, turning them against by using this issue. That's the problem. Now, here's my question before we go, before we apply. Where in the world is Daniel? He's missing. I mean, the boys always stuck together. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but Daniel's gone. Why is he not involved in this story? There's a reason. Now, historically, maybe Daniel was another province of Babylon. I don't know. Or he was away on business or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. The Bible never says, but it keeps him mysteriously absent. Think about this. It pictures the future. Let me me go ahead just a few steps to show you some scriptures. I'll I'll come to this. This is from Ezekiel 22, and it talks about Israel during the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation. Notice the language. As silver is melted in the midst of a what? Furnace. What is Shadrach, Meshach, going to be put into? A furnace. So the tribulation is called a furnace. So shall you be melted in its midst. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury on you. Talking about Israel in the tribulation in a furnace. So the furnace language is given for the seven-year tribulation. Notice this next passage, Zechariah 13. Says the Lord that two-thirds in it, talking about Israel, the two-thirds of its people will be cut off. So Antichrist is basically going to kill about two thirds of Israel by the time he's done with them. And it says, and die, but one third shall be left in it. So one third, a remnant of Israel will be left going through the tribulation, the furnace. And I will bring the one third through what? Fire. Notice furnace and fire are related to the tribulation. We'll refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. Now, what is that saying to you? That what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going through will be what Israel goes through, but Daniel's missing. Daniel's not there. Let me take you back to Noah. Before Noah's flood, Noah and his, and, and his family go into the ark and they actually go through the flood, right? They ride it out on the ark. They're delivered through the flood but what happens to enoch before the flood he's translated huh enoch is taken before the judgment no one his family go through the judgment one is removed the other one goes through you go to this passage Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will go through the furnace. Daniel is excluded. Book of Revelation, chapter 4. John, John is the only one of the disciples that wasn't martyred. The rest of them were, were slaughtered. John then is said, Come up here. And he he gets a heavenly view of what will happen on earth. So he's not in it, but he sees a vision of what will happen in the future. So he's above it and out of the situation while he watches Israel go through the tribulation as God unfolds the visions to him. Something going on here. You see the pattern? The pattern is one will be removed and the other ones go through it. The pattern is simple to understand if you understand the rapture. The pattern is this the church will be removed before the furnace, before the tribulation, and the Jews will have to go through the tribulation in order to be delivered. We are already delivered. We'll be delivered by the rapture. Allah Enoch, Allah Daniel, Allah John, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Israel will go through the tribulation for Israel to be refined and come to faith in the Messiah. You see the pattern? It's classic. You can't miss it. It's all through scripture like that. That's typologies. But let's, let's talk about this. Why do people just do as they're told? Why is this? Why are we watching people so compliant now? Well, the tactics are being used on them, right? But here's a, there's, there's some problems. Many of them have character problems, Let me show you what those character problems are. Some people just go along to get along. Well, i just do it. You know, I don't agree with it, but I'm just gonna do it. Okay, why? They desire to be viewed as a nice person. Please tell me in the Bible where it says you are to be a nice person. It says you are to be kind, respectful, compassionate, loving, caring, all that other stuff. But it never says you need to be Christian nice guy like Ned Flanders from the, the Simpsons. You are not to be Ned Flanders. Hi diddly-do, and like you're on dope and everything's happening to you and you have you know, you know have no clue what's going on. We're, that's not Christians, okay? But there's a great book. If you want to get the book, it's called No More Christian Nice Guy. I recommend it. No More Christian Nice Guy because this whole thing about nicety is how they portray Christianity. And so what these people want to do, oh, I just want to be nice. You know what that is? It's about protecting your image. It's protection of you. I just, you know, I don't want to cause any controversy, man. I don't want to say anything against my job. I don't want to get in a fight with my employers. I don't want to get in a fight with my family. And I don't want to say this. You know what that guy is? He's worried about his image. That's, that's, that's the problem. That's why they cave. They're protecting their image. Look, dude, Jesus already said, you're going to lose your image with this world. already. right, they're going to hate you. End of story. Accept it. Don't worry about your image. Two, many go along because of willful ignorance. Now, what's the, what's behind willful ignorance? Why won't they read the facts and evidence that you read online? Why is that? It's all available to them. Why don't they do it? Because they're indifferent to it. They're so self-absorbed in their little lives. They don't care because it's not affecting them. That's Laodicea. That's lukewarmness is indifferent. I just don't care because it's not affecting me. You will care when it does affect you, though. You will, oh, you know, I, what do I care? I'm just living my little life and all I want to do is go home and watch the ball game and have a beer. Come on, Brandon, come on. No, I don't need to worry about all this crazy stuff. No, it will get you like a tsunami if you're not aware and you won't prepare. A lot of people go along because of cowardice. There's cowards. The biggest cowards are in the pulpits, by the way. And here's the thing, they fear sacrifice. Sacrifice. They fear sacrifice. So let me talk to you about my industry. They fear losing people and losing their money. So that's why they won't talk about anything. That's why they stay silent, because they're cowards. Many pastors are nothing but cowards. Now let's move to the your industry, your, your jobs. Why won't people resist this, what's going on? Because they don't want to sacrifice their money. They don't want to sacrifice their employment. They don't want to sacrifice anything about their life. They want to keep rolling with their lifestyle and letting uh, untruth, falsities, and all kinds of crazy stuff happen right in front of them because they're just trying to hold on to their little junk. That's why. They're not willing to, to sacrifice anything. They go along to preserve their lives, some people well, you know, hey, you know, um, we can die. They're telling us we can die from this. I, I gotta preserve my life. And I gotta do this in order to keep, stay alive. And boy, howdy, I'm gonna mask up and wear two, three masks. And I'm gonna get as many boosters as they tell me to do. What's wrong with that person? They're afraid to die. Let me ask you this. If you're a Christian, should you be afraid to die? No, the sting of death has been removed. And because of that, that actually gives you boldness to stand in the face of someone trying to take your life like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Throw me into the first. I don't care because God will just resurrect me. No problem. But see, the fear of death makes people paralyzed. They go along because of a lack of reasoning. Well, what's happened to people? Well, Romans 1 says this. If you hear the truth and you know the truth and you suppress it, push it down and keep it down and put a lid over it, the penalty for doing that is you go crazy. You lose the ability to reason. You lose your cognitive ability. Have you you seen how crazy these politicians are? They've lost their cognitive ability. And it's not because of age. They've been Romans one. They've lost ability to reason. uh, uh, Second to the last, go along to avoid being culturally shamed. People are afraid of man. They're afraid of what their neighbors say. They're afraid of what their bosses say. They're afraid of what the the society will say against them. That's fear of man. That's not fear of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are fearing God, not man. That's why they will step into the fiery furnace, no problem. This is what's required of you right now. You must fear God rather than man. And lastly, people go along because of the lack of biblical knowledge and wisdom. Look, for decades upon decades, the churches have been so shallow, they have not prepared anybody for what's going on. And here's, the, here's the, the truth. If you don't go deep and start understanding the scriptures at a level that you, beyond what you even know now, you are blinded in those areas. And so if you stay at a shallow level, you'll go blind and you won't see what's going on around you. You'll lose discernment. That's why Christians are caving into this because of their lack of biblical knowledge. Your knowledge helps you see. Let me ask you, let me show you this last question. We'll end on this. Are we spiritually strong enough? Do you have it in you to keep resisting the pressure that's intentionally being put on you? Because it's not going to get easier, it's going to get worse. And I'm here to tell you that. You know the deal. Can you take the pressure? Can you take the pressure now? Because if you, you believe the Bible, you believe God, it should put steel in your soul. It should strengthen you to know you're standing on the rock of Christ to where you can say, bring it on! Bring it on! I have Jesus behind me, and he's more powerful than any of you politicians any of Gavin Newsom's nonsense, bring it on. I can face whatever you're gonna throw. You're gonna throw me in jail, throw me in jail. You wanna kill me? Great, he'll resurrect me. You have to have this attitude. You have to have that. And the only way you get it is standing on Jesus, that's it. You must stand on him. Otherwise the pressure will get so great you'll cave in. You have to be, I have to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we will not bow a knee worship a false idol throw us in the furnace
0: thanks for joining us for another episode of the anchor sunday sermons we hope that this message is a blessing to you and helps grow you towards a more mature understanding of god's word rock harbor church has recently started a second podcast called the anchor bible study it's filled with past and continuing bible studies preached during our wednesday evening services If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services for the Anchor Bible Study. Support for both of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.